0: Welcome into episode two eighty three of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast, alongside
2: Craig Morgan, the Natty Hattie,
0: and Steve Peters.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm, not doing that. <laughs> I'm Luke little, Lipinski. Craig was trying to be a little more mature to start this one off. so I respect that.
0: <laughs> well, it's all downhill from here then. I don't uh, know. How are we doing, gentlemen? We're spread out across the country, kind of. Not really. I guess Craig's, Craig's still here. Craig, you're leaving though soon, aren't you? I, I won't give away when or, or where, but at some point in the next couple of weeks, you're
1: leaving, which means breaking Coyotes news at some point this month. Yeah, I'll just say it. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm celebrating my anniversary on the Western slope with my wife and uh, another couple. So yeah, we're, we're leaving tomorrow actually. So oh. something will happen in the next couple of days, of course. Okay. So I'll prepare for Friday. Coyotes news.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. I, I feel like it's, uh, it's an annual thing. We got to start with the uh, Maple Leafs. I feel like we just did this podcast trying to figure out why the Toronto Maple Leafs can't win a playoff series, any playoff series against a team that is inferior to them. And I know we got comments. I got comments back for calling Montreal a glorified junior team last week. <laughs> Look, I wanted Montreal to win. I think it's great. But they shouldn't have been in the playoffs. So I'm taking nothing away from what they did. Anytime you come back from down 3-1, that's impressive. But the story in this series is Toronto. Up 3-1, Marner can't score. Matthews doesn't do what he typically does. And they haven't won a series in 17 years, which I know isn't all Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews' fault. But it's been 17 years. You were up 3-1 on a team that was 18th in the NHL. You had the path right there to basically walk to the Final Four, and they blew it again.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm bothered by the narrative that Carey Price stole this. He was just so great that, you know, they couldn't overcome him. It, that's not true. Carey Price was good in this series. He wasn't great. He wasn't game-changing. Toronto just sleptwalked through. Was it sleepwalked or sleptwalked? I'm not sure. No, you're the writer. Uh, through six of the nine periods of those last three games, they just – they had nothing going. There was no urgency to their game until the third period of each of those games. It was bizarre to watch. And I know a lot of people are going to look at Matthews and Marner, and there's reason to look at them. I mean, they combined for one goal, although they, you know, they they put up points, but. There's a lot more at play here. There's, they, they lack the depth. They lack the blue line. They lack the goaltending. There are a lot of problems in Toronto, and you can't just go into another offseason and make promises. Oh, we're going to fix it this time. We, we can't let this happen again. This is year seven of Brendan Shanahan's plan, and they have not won a playoff series. Ownership has to take a really hard look at that plan.
2: Yeah, I, I, the only the only place I'm going to differ with here, Craig, is I thought I thought at moments Carey Price was outstanding. Um, did he carry the series? No, but at points he was he back to form, and he's the only chance they have against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, if you're Toronto, what the hell do you do now? I, I honestly don't know. You've changed coaches, you've changed players. This roster coming into this season, where they they clearly went for it. Dubish, they put on paper, they brought in, you know, you got Felino, you got Simmons, like you bring in some experienced guys, you got Joe Thornton in. they went for it. So you spent the money, you got the players and you just, I don't want to say don't show up. You got to find a way when you put a roster like this and you're up three to one and you have two of those games at home, you have to find a way to win. The one question I had as you're watching the games, and you see the Montreal-Toronto series, and then you flip over to virtually any of the other series, and you see the crowd, and you see the impact the crowd has on the home team and, and potentially that effort in coming back. Do you think if Scotiabank is, is full that that pushes Toronto over the hump? Do you think that's a difference maker?
1: Maybe. I, I mean, it, it was the same for both teams, obviously, Um I just, yeah, maybe that happens, and we we probably shouldn't downplay the loss of John Tavares in this series. That was a, a critical blow for them as well. But you got to be able to overcome that. And that, like Luke said, they didn't lose to a good team. Montreal is not a good team. They finished 18th in the NHL. I think they lost like 11 more games or 12 more games than they won this season. They were 18th in the overall standings. That's not a good team. And there's no way you're convincing me. Montreal is a good team. No, and the matchup was
2: right. The matchup was right for Toronto. I mean, that was the right matchup. You get enough room for your, your skilled speed guys to take over offensively. They should have bowled over Montreal. They really should have. They, and Montreal should not have had an answer. And I, I just sit there. Either as a, I'm not a Maple Leaf fan, but if I was a Maple Leaf fan, what do you do now? I, 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 they've done everything over the the last 20 years. They've tried it all. So is it Brendan Shanahan? And here's the point. So, someone asked me yesterday, what about Keefe? Is he safe? And I said, you'd have to think so. But they said if if Shanahan doesn't move Keefe out, then next year if they're all going, then it's Keefe, it's Shanahan, it's everybody. So this, if if Shanahan moves Keefe out or he moves Dubas out, it buys him a little more time. So is he looking at it? Gosh, if I make that, then I can buy myself two more years because i got to work in a new coach and a new GM. Maybe. I, I just honestly, it's only getting harder next year, though, when the divisions go back um, to the way they were before. It's only harder for Toronto. This was their year. They, everybody knew it. They played like it all season. And, and for it to fall short, man, that, that's really disheartening for, for Maple Leaf fans.
0: I think you guys just hit on it too. They, they can't overcome anything. Like the John Tavares thing, that's a big deal. You're losing I, I, one of the best player, one of the better players in the NHL. That's, that's, but other teams in the playoffs would overcome that. And honestly, I'm not even sure if he played, like, there's clearly something more at play. You, you just faced a Montreal team that Craig, you just rattled off their record. And with all due respect, that was the easiest division in hockey. So I'm not even sure that record really? would have been that good in another division for Montreal. And, Montreal looked like a team that if Toronto ever had the lead on them in that series, the game was over. Like, Montreal's not built to come back. You get a two-goal lead on them, that's that's pretty much it. Toronto yeah. is absolutely built to, they can win games seven to six if they need to. There's just, I, I think people get a little too hard on the superstars, and it's like, well, how have you not won a Stanley Cup yet? I mean, I remember they were all over a game when it clearly wasn't his fault most of the time. They were all over Crosby when he already had one that he didn't have two, but we're talking about getting out of the first round. And at some point, it's like, yeah, if Marner and Matthews could have combined for three goals, you win the series. You played seven games against the team with a very good goaltender. But once again, you just have no that team just has no resiliency. And even with the crowd, I'm not even normally I would say, yeah, that, you know, that's a disadvantage to not have that. It almost feels like the crowd makes things worse for
1: Toronto, at least
0: in the first round of the playoffs, because they're just such head cases right now.
1: Yeah, that could be true. Uh, yeah, with with the pressure that he right. puts on them, um, but it, it, getting back to it, just just a couple of things that you brought up, Austin Matthews shot two point nine percent in this series. His career his career shooting percentage is sixteen point two. So you have those small sample things that that you can't figure out. But also <laughs> going back to you know the idea that this was Toronto's year, I'm not so sure. I believe that Toronto was a cup contender. I actually didn't. I thought there were at least four teams in the league better than them. All season, And I thought they played in the weakest division. But this wasn't about for me winning the cup this year for Toronto. This again, this was about escaping the first round, really escaping that division, which should not have been hard for them with the talent they have on paper. They should have gone to the semifinals and it would have been a successful season. And now they're all just searching for answers. And I don't know if the answers are there.
2: Yeah, and I think when I said they went for it, I, I don't think they're they're in the echelon of Colorado. They're not a Stanley Cup contender. But you're right, this should have been the team to come out of the North to make it to the Final mm-hmm. Four. I think a, any hockey fan coming into the playoffs, looking at these rosters and how they were playing coming into the playoffs, had to say Toronto's the team. I I, I don't know anybody that said, well, yeah, it's going to be Winnipeg, Montreal. I I I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um So this. Their path to get to the Final Four is the easiest it is ever going to be. I, I, scratching their heads is going to be an understatement. They've this The media frenzy around this for the next several months is going to be something to watch.
0: And hmm. that would have been a step forward, right? Like I'm not a Maple Leafs fan, and truth right. be told, I, I listened to a lot of Toronto uh, sports radio the last couple of days to really soak in the atmosphere after they lost again in the first round because it's just entertaining at this point to me. But I- at least if you make it past... Montreal and then Winnipeg. Even if you get you know lit up by Boston, Colorado, whoever they would have played Tampa, I guess. Um, it, like Leafs fans are not going to be happy in the moments, but you can look back in the off season and then and going into next year and be like, okay, but we did make some progress. The door was at least open to be like, here, this will set you up for next year. I heard a great point uh, on one of those on uh, one of the broadcasts the other day. The regular season, we're at that point with Toronto now, where it means absolutely nothing. They could go 82-0 and 0 next year, and nobody's going to care. And that is a, that's a a—that's a weird spot to get in. Like, I remember the Sharks getting there,
2: and
0: not many other teams where it's like you can't show us anything in the
1: regular season because you can't even win a playoff series when it's handed to you. So if you're looking at personnel here, would you trade any of the, the, the big-time players, maybe the big four? Would you look at moving one of them? Uh, to try and get more help on your blue line, or do you are those the guys to build around? Were, were some of the problems those veterans they brought in that didn't do anything in this series? And then on top of that, another question for you guys. How do you not look at Brendan Shanahan at this point? Seven years, no playoff series wins under his plan. How do you not look at him at this point?
2: You know, taking all those things into account, seven years with an unlimited budget and not just on players. And, and, and that's a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. You can spend whatever he wants on players, but they also have the best facilities. There is they don't spare a dime when it comes to travel, hotel, um, you know, how they, how they provide an environment for their players. Toronto is the NHL standard in every aspect. There are no excuses. So for this, you have to start again, you're going to have to start pointing at Brendan Shanahan. Now, the, if you're going to give me Marner or Joe Thornton, we talked about Marner's inability to produce. Joe Thornton had a point. He's minus three. I mean, you go down those, you know, Wayne Simmons, no goals. Um, Felino, no goals. Like, I, I, I don't know what you do. And to me, you're not going to trade Matthews. I don't no. care. People people are going to say it. Hey, what can we get for Matthew? You're going to hear it this summer. Absolutely, never, ever, ever going to happen. Um, Mitch Marner, he's still an uh, incredibly dynamic offensive player that can put points on the board he just didn't during this series and what you saw we've talked about before when star players are having trouble scoring and being offensive they try to do more by themselves and you watch Mitch Marner in that series turning the puck over consistently was Uh a problem for him because he tried to beat one more guy I I can do this I can I can carry it I'm I'm struggling offensively so I'm going to carry the puck more causing problems so i i think that's some hopefully some maturity and he can he can improve on that next season that's how you have to go into it but i don't know if if this older model to surround these guys with was was necessary the plan versus getting those gritty third and fourth line guys that can eat those minutes and defend i, I think that type of player versus the players they brought in would be more effective
1: so, you know, I've heard it suggested that they'd lose a, a Mitchell Marner trade, and 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 by and large, I agree with that. But what if you, what if you can move a Mitchell Marner for a player like Seth Jones, where you can improve your blue line and and get just that elite piece you need back there? Is that something they they need to explore? Do they open them? I think they have enough talent up front that they maybe they could even do that if they can get a player of that caliber.
2: I think they're going to look at everything. I, I think that. Because what you're going to see is the media, the radio shows that it's going to really force them into a lot of corners. And so they'll have to look at everything and they're going to talk about looking at everything. Um, so is it impossible to see Mitch Marner being traded? Probably not. Matthews. Yes. Marner's a maybe.
0: Yeah. Marner's the one where it's, it's And Seth Jones is an interesting name to bring up because again, I just kind of enjoy this watching Toronto kind of melt down every year. But if if you are not a Maple Leafs fan, if you're facing the Leafs, I think them going out and making a move for Seth Jones is something that maybe it doesn't make them a better team on paper, but I think they start winning playoff series. I, I don't know how else to describe that. I mean, Marner has no goals in his last 18 playoff games. So that, this is not just the like, oh, you know, he had a rough series or maybe he was hurt and we didn't know about it. This is dating back now basically three years. He had a good game in the first game of the playoffs three years ago and he hasn't scored a goal since. So either... He's also making 10 and a half million a year plus or somewhere in that range so I I don't, I'm not going to I like I don't think he's the problem but he is something that if you need to make a change that's the only guy I would even consider moving when you factor in like the salary of a guy like Nylander and the goal scoring of a guy like Matthews where you could move something get some cap relief on a team that needs it and get some pieces back I don't think it's his fault but if you're going to move something then that's the guy to move if you're not going to move him then maybe move him around the lineup or something in the
1: playoffs because they just kind of seem intent on like, well, no, this will work. It's not working. Yeah, and it's 10.9 is his cap hit. And that's, I mean, you you can say it's not his fault, but when you paid that much money, yeah, you're expected to be a game changer, and he has not been. So in a way, it is Mitchell Marner's fault. Yeah, you at least need to be able
0: to put up two goals in a series, right? Yeah. If you're making almost 11 million, and that would have done it. I think, you know, two goals, two more goals from Toronto. I, granted, the game's change and everything, but yeah. Montreal just doesn't have the firepower. And we can, I guess let's get into the next series too, because we did do our predictions. We, we haven't had a show since, you know, because of all the, the way the first round was staggered this year, but we did. Everybody got their predictions in on time. Craig waited until like three games of the Boston series were done to make sure he was going to be right, but we have our predictions. So, uh, very clearly, Montreal and Winnipeg is the one that on paper has
1: the least electricity. How do you guys see this one playing out? I see it as the, I call it the sacrificial lamb series. <laughs> Whoever wins this is going to play Colorado and just get boat raced in the next round. Neither of these teams, I mean, I think Winnipeg has a better chance of competing with Colorado than Montreal does, but I don't see either of these teams winning. The only, only reason I want to watch this series is because there are two exceptional goaltenders playing in Connor Hellebuck and, and Carey Price.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to come down to some great goaltending. I don't think either one of these teams defends very well, so you're going to get to see two goaltenders on display. Um, I, the one thing about this series that that I'll look for is, is the competitiveness. I mean, this is two teams that can play a little more physical, not necessarily big, but they're a little more physical teams. This could be – I guess it could be fun to watch. I, I won't tune to it first, but I, I still – I guess I'm going to go with the upstart Montreal Canadiens to win this series. Ooh. I know. I think Carey Price, they, they've got some confidence. They've come into awesome confidence. Um, beating uh, Toronto. I'm going to go Montreal in six.
1: Wow. If, if Montreal wins this series, then they are definitely my candidate for nonlinear progression next season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it would be a fun story. Like I, I do like that hockey is is more conducive to having a story like this every year where there's a team that, it looks like they are the worst team in the playoffs, and then they can take down the Giant. I'm not going to pick Montreal. Would it shock me if they beat Winnipeg? No, but Winnipeg was actually to me pretty impressive against Edmonton. So I'll go Winnipeg at six. And PD's been talking about Winnipeg all year. I actually think that that is a a sneaky dangerous team. Not dangerous in the sense that they could beat Colorado. They have no chance. But at least they they should be able to get out of this round.
2: And I, before Craig goes, the truth of this is I want to pick Winnipeg. I know the hockey guy in me says Winnipeg is the team that's going to win this series. On paper, they're the better team. I really want to pick Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg. I've talked about them for months. I was wrong so many times in the first round. I feel I'm just going to go away with my common wisdom here. Winnipeg beat them six times out of the nine they played this year. So that's why I'm going with Montreal. I'm just, I'm going against myself. And that's why I'm making this pick.
0: It's, it's like that episode of Seinfeld where he goes to Costanza and he's like, if every instinct you've ever had is wrong, right. The exact opposite must. be Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I, I'm just embarrassed at my first round performance.
1: Well, he's still tied probably, with but, Craig. You know, uh, yeah, but
2: uh, that's thus the embarrassment.
1: You, you, you <laughs> drop the old Mike Rousseau line. I, I put all of two minutes into it, so I, I'm not that embarrassed because oh. I care about predictions anyway. Oh, but I, I did did take the Jets in six in this series. Okay. And, and just to point out for the listeners, since
0: I didn't tweet this out, the uh, the standings and the predictions: Craig a distant oh, third. Oh, we're, we're we're talking about the standings this season. Yeah, we should do that. No, well, yeah. they didn't come up last year. No, I don't remember last year. First uh, round finishes with Craig in a distant third with four points. Petey has four points in second, and uh, and Luke has seven.
2: I like. I get four points and in second. I like. That.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's your first year doing this, and, yeah. and Craig is you know. Yeah. Um, Okay. You some of the, these other, you, you won the Luke likes you more tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, the series we've all been waiting for Colorado and Vegas and there were fireworks right out of the gate. Colorado did to Vegas what I, I don't really think anybody should be able to do to Vegas, but Colorado, I'm not sure they're ever going to lose a game is what ter- Toronto should have done to Montreal in game five. Just embarrass them, run them off the ice. You have the firepower, but, um, I still think this series is going to even out a little bit, or Colorado's going to
1: go 16-0 in this playoff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because if they do that to Vegas, they are going to go 16-0, and because I thought Vegas was one of the four best teams in the league. And wow, that first game was – good God, I did not see that coming. Not at all. By the way, does Philip Grubauer really deserve to be a Vezina Trophy finalist, or does he just play behind a team that <sighs> – my gosh, I-, I didn't agree with that pick at all.
2: You know I- – I looked at the stats before we had this and, and, and Craig, unfortunately, it's a stats driven league and he's second in wins. He's second in goals against. He's top five in, in save percentage. He's tied for first in shutouts. I mean, statistically, you, you have to include him. Do I think you could substitute any, almost any other goalie in the entire league and they could put up similar numbers? Probably. I mean, this This Colorado team is absolutely impressive, dominating, as long as they stay healthy. And in a UC, when, when all pieces of the wheel are there, it rolls smooth. You take out one spoke, they could be in trouble if it's the wrong spoke. Um, Cadre, clearly, they didn't slow down. But if you take out McKinnon, Landis, Ranton, and this will be a different team. If those three stay healthy and you've got McCarr playing like he's playing – I mean they absolutely dominated a team that's that's another favorite to win the cup. So, I'll go back a year ago, C- Coyote fans walked away from the bubble embarrassed at 7 to 2. These guys just rolled the Vegas Golden Knights 7 to 1. Like so maybe that tempers the 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 Coyote performance in the bubble from a year ago. Maybe.
1: Yeah. They One do this. thing on Grubauer, um, I wish G- GMs vote on this award, by the way, and you mentioned all the stats that they probably looked at, and that's part of what troubles me, is they only look at what I consider to be team stats for goaltenders. They don't look at things like goals saved above average. Yeah, You could get a deeper look at goaltending and find out that a guy like UC Soros had a, just a ridiculous season for Nashville and probably deserved to be a finalist. I'm not downplaying the season Grubauer had. He He, he could probably be in the top five. I just don't think he's a finalist. Go ahead, who are some?
0: Who are some of the other names you would have in there? Because the other finalists are Flurry and Vasilevsky, but, yeah. but well, some of the other guys that you think I left Both those out. guys would have been in there. I thought Barlamov yeah. had a really good season, too. He did. That, yeah. that was a guy I was looking at. I, the Islanders goaltending, and I don't think it's going to matter against Boston, but I mean, Ilya Sorokin was outstanding all year, yeah. too, when they called on him.
2: He's another guy that statistically meets all of those check marks, too, and had a great season and helped get his team in there.
0: So this series, uh, I went with Colorado, I believe, in seven. Uh, and I obviously met seven goals per game for Colorado, but I guess I'll stick with the seven-game seven, seven game series. I, I have to think. I, I, and honestly, I hope Vegas makes this a series. I'm, it, look, if Colorado wants to steamroll everybody and win the Cup, I don't have a problem with that. Like I said at the start of the playoffs, and, and even at the end of last year when they lost to Dallas, Nathan McKinnon sort of had that Sidney Crosby before he won his first cup vibe. And, and he's the team around him. Is, is absolutely just loaded, but I would like to see some drama here at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we, we were so looking forward to this series for so long this is one of the series that we all tabbed as one we wanted to watch. I would hate to see it end in five with Colorado just dominating, but Colorado may be this good. We'll find out tonight, I think. And
2: let's see, though. I mean, you're going to come back with Marc Andre Fleury in game two. I, I still say, I mean, Laner ran him through the, the bubble series last year, it was great. I didn't like some of those goals. I mean, they, unbelievable offensive team, but you see those plays happen in behind Laner, like they're passing, um, He's coming out farther. He's challenging farther, which leaves a lot of room in behind. So the seam plays were there and they were just tap ins. You're like, Oh, the goalie can't get that. Well, if the goalie's deeper in his net, that's it. That's a more defendable play. And I think you'll see that out of Marc Andre Flory. I don't expect another seven to one game. Um, Vegas will be embarrassed and come out hard, but I've got Colorado in sixth.
1: Ryan Reeves is out, so that's going to play a role in this as well. Uh, curious what you guys thought of that one. To me, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about the two games. If, if I think that that's not enough, I, it's sort of what I expect during the playoffs. The cadre suspension was probably a little longer than I expected to to get based on precedent, but he's he definitely deserved to be suspended in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think, and we'll get into that in just a second. I, I do think there's there's an element too of, of it felt like Robin Lehner was almost kind of he was put out there to give Flurry a break. They just played a brutal seven game series, and they just kind of left him in. So I, I do wonder if he just kind of took a hit for the team there. They did. I mean, they had to go the distance with Minnesota. I think Vegas is going to come back and, and at least obviously look a lot better than they did in Game One. What, PD You had Colorado and six. I have Colorado and seven. Craig, what do you what do you think? I had abs in seven too. I'm obviously, yeah.
2: rethinking that, but yeah.
0: Um So the Reeves Wait. hit. Uh,
2: Right the Reeves well, we talked about we talked about Tom Wilson a few weeks ago with Washington, and I mentioned Reeves at the time to me is the only other player in the league that's a dangerous player that he's out there to hurt people like Codrey's hit at eight games. it's a dirty hit, and he should be suspended eight games again, debatable. Reeves to me did the same thing that Wilson did to Buchnevich shoving his face into the ground and being egregious to a player that didn't have access to his arms and was completely um Indefensible. So I absolutely suspendable. I think it was an idiotic play. And I'm, I'm afraid when the score gets to be five, six, seven to one, that, that that's the kind of game you're going to get into because you, you've got to set some kind of a tone. I know if, if your team is behind that far, you got to, well, got to do something. You, you can't win this game. So let's set a tone for the next game. Um, i I talk to people in Vegas and they they always tell me Ryan Reeves is not a dangerous player, he's not a dirty player, he's not a cheap player but if if Coyote fans remember he's taken two players out for the season in two consecutive years, mm-hmm. so there's a pattern here and and I think two games. I mean, I I guess we're going to go along with it. I think you're going to see when this season's over, that department being under scrutiny um, for the Wilson missed suspension, for the Reeves suspension, Caudry, and so on. I think you're really going to see that department uh, under a magnifying glass when you get to the GM meetings this year. But I didn't like the hit, or not the hit, the the scrum, as it were, but they ended up with a nine-minute power play out of it. And you know what? Colorado scores another one. They said, okay, you want to play like that? Here we go again. So as long as your power play is dangerous, it it helps prevent teams from playing like that if your power play is weak then you can continue to be uh, you know rough shot and a little bit tougher after the whistle because you know you're not going to get punished because your penalty kill can beat their power play you don't want to put Colorado on the power play so I would not expect this series to get out of hand because of that incident because Colorado is going to make you pay for it And, and this is way too important giving up goals to play tough I, so I don't think it's going to be a factor as this series goes on.
0: Yeah, we got. A, I, we had at least one question. I know we have a few questions about this. Hit. We have one that was asking me, like, "Well, how am I going to defend Ryan Reeves when I get all over Tom Wilson for the stuff?" And honestly, my answer is simple: Reeves got suspended. Wilson wouldn't have. I mean, that, that's my my issue. My issue isn't that, that that there aren't other players making dirty plays in the NHL. Petey's probably right that Ryan Reeves is the only other one that you can make a case is doing it consistently. But for the most part, like there's going to be dirty plays in the NHL, but I feel like the league has done a good job of getting it to the point where, you know, if one guy makes one, we kind of don't hear from him making one for a few years with the exception of Reeves and Wilson. Wilson does it, I, in my opinion, three times as much as Reeves, but Reeves is the only other guy that's like, to me, a consistent worry out there. But the difference is Reeves gets suspended. Wilson doesn't. If Wilson did that exact thing, wouldn't have got suspended. How do I know that? We just saw him do it. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay. <laughs> Boy, if a team is going to give... Well, I think there's a couple teams that could give Colorado a run. Tampa Bay, though, they look every bit as good as, as the defending Stanley Cup chance should.
1: Speaking of goaltending, Vasilevsky is dialed in right now. My goodness, he is playing really well. I, I thought Carolina would maybe give give Tampa a little better series. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. They've been, they've been tight games, but... Vasilevsky's playing out of his mind right now, and this looks like it's going to be a short series.
2: Yeah, and when you look at a team that can match the offensive firepower of Colorado, it's going to be Tampa. It's the only other team on paper that can can put a line over the boards and you go, oh, goodness, they could score. But the thing that you're getting out of the lightning that you don't necessarily see out of Colorado is the goaltender's ability to steal a game. I mean, they were outshot 32-15, to 15 and they win. Like Vasilevsky's been unbelievable. We talked about Carey Price. And you say he wasn't a huge factor, Veseleski is a huge factor in this game um I think that you know Tampa. And Colorado is what I want to see as a hockey fan right now, and I think those games I, you want to say they are going to be eight-seven. But with the goaltending, I, I honestly don't know what you're going to get. But you're going to get two really, really good offensive hockey teams. And I know you have to point this out, Luke. We picked these series prior to these games um, because I took Tampa Bay in five prior to this. So it doesn't—I don't want to look like I've hey, you're kind of cheating because they're up two nothing now. So I picked Tampa in five before this got rolling.
0: No, I I will point out, not only did Petey pick Tampa Bay in five, Petey managed to like make the pick while traveling the country and he still made sure to get the pick in in time. So I give Petey all the credit in the world. I
2: beat Craig and I was on the road. Yeah. Literally. Like literally. (laughs) I think I might have been in Albuquerque when I made that pick. For everybody been. makes all their hockey picks. In Albuquerque. Bugs Bunny always turned the wrong way it was Albuquerque. <laughs> uh,
0: I took the Lightning in six in the series. Vincent Krocek going down is, uh, yeah. it's not great for Carolina. You look at his stats this year, I think he only had 17 goals only. I mean, that's fine. Man, he is an impact player for Carolina and, yeah. and he was all season long too. And if they don't have him, you know, I, I, like I said, like Pete, just said, I don't want to look too far ahead. Carolina or rather Tampa and Colorado would be such a compelling Stanley Cup because I do think Colorado has Maybe even more firepower, but Tampa has the goaltending. So then Tampa is comfortable playing a two to one or a three two game, whereas Colorado might not
1: be. But yeah, I think we all took Tampa, right? Craig, you took them too. Yeah, I took them in seven, which is also looking stupid. But you know, it's it's my year to be an idiot. But will still get a point for the right team.
2: Before we leave, Vinnie Trocheck, how did Florida let him go? Okay, like, Craig, do you recall how what the thought process was there? I mean, they're young, they're fast, they're offensive. I. I still don't understand the move to get him out of Florida. Was it a personal issue with the coaching staff? That was
1: true, and I don't get it either. And and to be honest, and I think they had some interest. I don't think the Coyotes pursued him hard enough. That's – you're looking for that position above all else. They should have pushed hard to try and. Tried. Yeah,
2: and his name came up I, I, in the coach's room. He, and I at the time, I remember saying, there's no way he's going to leave Florida. There's no way they're letting this guy go. This is the kind of player you build your franchise around. Why would you let him go? Not only is he fast, offensive, and, and do those things, he, he's a really Good guy that works hard. Like guys gravitate to him. He can pull the chain a little bit. Like I, I still don't understand the move getting him out of Florida. I don't get it. So I, I don't know if if um, again him being out of the lineup for Carolina is a huge blow. So there's no chance this team's coming back and winning this series.
0: He had 43 points in 47 games this season. Prochick did. In addition to everything else, you guys are saying just about the the character guy and the speed guy that he potentially is for your team. Last full season he played was, uh, 2017, 2018, where he played, I mean, he played 55 games in 18, 19, 62, and 19, 20, but in 17, 18, 75 points. So this is a guy that, I mean, he's already got a track record of producing. And, uh, and yeah, if they don't have him, yeah. they're surprising. They're the uh, final series. And this one's interesting to me, not because I think the Islanders can win but Boston is clearly the most improved team over the last two months. And and if they can get in there and if anybody's going to take out Colorado or Tampa, it's Boston. I don't know if they can take them both out, but I, they could certainly cause some problems.
1: They are a well-oiled machine right now. I am in full agreement. I think they're the only other team out there. Unless Vegas re- rebounds, if they, if they respond, I think Boston is the team to look at as, as one that can knock off one, maybe not both of those teams. Um, I was surprised they even lost last night a- after watching that first period. They were so dominant in the first period. I thought they were going to walk away with that game, but the Islanders, the Islanders find a way. It's, it is amazing. They, they are a great story. I think they're going to make a series of this more than I initially thought when I took the Bruins in five, but yeah, Boston's going to come out of this series and with, with their additions, this is a team to watch again. A- as we talked about in the last podcast, They've been doing this for so many years. They've been so consistent for so long. It almost feels like Boston deserves another shot, but it it also feels like they're just going to come up bridesmaids again.
2: You know, when when you talk about the Islanders, it's a team that keeps coming at you. I mean, they're deep. They work hard. They can be down by one, two, three. They're still playing the exact same way as the score tied 0-0. It's a good hockey team that can score goals. Their goaltender's been strong uh, the entire season. The Islanders team is a better team than people give them credit for uh they four check hard they're really hard on pucks and they don't give boston a lot of room boston is just better they've been there before they're experienced they're they're deeper they can score many different ways that is a better hockey team rask is playing well boston will win the series but islanders are not going to give up and and you you look at the game last night just a, a, a puck on an errant pass goes off the skate and the game's over like these mistakes in this time of year just can't be made that's it honestly that's how Toronto got eliminated they made too many mistakes at the wrong time yeah. Boston I, I don't think is going to continually do that I've got Boston in seven but it's going to be a really tight series
1: Yeah, Campbell gave up a soft goal to start that Game 7 with Montreal. Yeah. That didn't help. I I was going to ask you, in this series, Petey, if you thought – you talked about the Islanders' forecheck, and they really – they have an aggressive forecheck, and they come hard at you. If Boston has an Achilles heel, in my mind, it's that blue line. I don't think it's that good a blue line. Could that be a way for New York to – I don't know if they'll win the series, but that's got to be their thinking, right? Get in on those For sure.
2: And and one of the things you look at when you're playing a team like the Islanders that forecheck so heavily, um, when you watch them, they will get three forwards below the goal line when they were pursuing the puck on a dump puck. And when you get three forwards that low, it's imperative that the defenseman can make a play to get it by that forecheck. And if you do, you're going the other way three on two. Um, If you don't, they're going to come right to the net hard. So that is the key to the game. For sure it is. I mean, they, they pride themselves on that heavy forecheck, and, and they're one of the heaviest forechecking teams in the league. And it's not heavy meaning they're coming in physically to hit you. It means they're fast enough on the puck to take away all of your passing options on a dumped-in puck. So if they can get that turnover, they look to get the puck to the net quickly. Conversely, Boston's defenseman it almost is an easier play because what we would do in, when Arizona against the Islanders is it's just a rim. You don't even have to look. Wingers know, get to the wall. The defensemen are going to fire it around uh the boards. We're going to hard rim it. Even if you do that the first two, three, four times that, that the Islanders dump the puck in, it's hard rimmed. Well, now you've created the play up high and it's our winger against their defensemen. Okay, so I think... What you could see then is then you'll have the Islanders have to back off on their forecheck because they can't get beat like that all night. Now, if they are able to turn the puck over on Boston's defense, look out. Yeah, that, that, that's their key to winning the series is turning those pucks over below the goal line um, on the Boston defense.
0: I will continue to uh, bang the pasta drum too for, for some sort of award. The guy hasn't won an award yet. He keeps having monster years. Um, if, I mean, obviously if Boston wins the Stanley Cup, he's going to be in heavy consideration for the con smite, but they are. I don't want to say they're not the most balanced attack we've ever seen, but having those top two lines and guys that can contribute on the other lines are, are huge as well. But he's already got five goals, five assists for 10 points in seven games. And to the point you were making earlier, Craig, I mean, here they are again with this same core, essentially. Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marshawn, Tuka Rask. That group has been there for a while. But what they have done so well is, you know, either brought in prospects and developed them or, or just gotten pieces from other teams to keep replenishing around that core, which is... In a way, it is admirable because they won the cup in 2011, didn't they? Oh, yeah, kidding. it's been a while. <laughs> like to it still be a is. contender every they year. Are, yeah.
2: Yeah. So if we talk, you know, I've got Boston and seven. I think it's going to go tight. But you talk about the. I think there are three teams that are cup contenders right now in the playoffs. That's Tampa, Boston. And I've got Colorado at the top of that list. But those three teams, and you know what's going to happen then? Montreal is going to win the cup because that's (laughs) the way my season's (laughs) been going. (laughs) So I just can't get anything right. I'm going to start being a baseball insider. I'm going to come out and say Montreal
1: is not winning the cup. I'm going to go strong on on that one. And and I think we
0: all agree. Colorado won. I would go Colorado won, Tampa two, Boston three. But I I do think any of those three teams could legitimately win the cup at this point. Uh, Petey, you're in luck, too, because you have a baseball question that somebody sent us. So when we get the questions, uh, you've got a nice... I get yeah. In. And we talk yeah.
2: about playoff futility at that point, too.
0: <laughs> uh, reminds to uh, rate and review the show. Craig has in the notes. You can follow us on Twitter, obviously, at the Natty
1: Hattie. Craig, what's your at your Twitter? Because I always get confused with the country star. Uh, at Craig S. Morgan. I wasn't talking about that, though. I'd, I'd like them to follow the Natural Hattrick podcast. Okay. Well, you did put in the notes. Oh, I see Peter's Twitter account, as well. <laughs> it's yeah. coming. Yeah, we'll so here see. here's how you follow Petey on
0: Twitter. Follow everybody <laughs> yeah. and one of them will be Petey. <laughs> so yeah, he,
2: he is out there somewhere. <laughs> it's just a matter yeah, of using your name, are you? I'm just waiting for somebody to provoke me enough and then it'll hit. Can
1: you give <laughs> that's us a clue as to what your Twitter handle is?
2: No, it's I mean, no, it's me. It's it's me. I just don't think I don't even think you can search it. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I've email. I got text. I don't get the it. Yeah. Peters out
1: there today?
0: Yeah. Um Craig, I don't know how you're doing this, but you're crossing stuff off on the notes on my screen as we go. This is brilliant. This is I'm magic. just trying to help out
1: here, Luke. Yeah, this, this is, is excellent.
0: All right, well, let's get into the Coyote stuff then. And uh, let's start with the Worlds, just because Connor Garland has taken over for Team USA.
1: It's a very impressive performance by him so far. And the uh, well, U.S. is doing pretty good. Yeah, six straight wins. They finish with the most points of, of any team. One Group B, they're going to... Slovakia in the first round, but yeah, Conor Garland's had a, a terrific tournament. He's he's over a point per game, and that that second goal he scored, I know it was Italy, probably the worst team in the tournament, but that that was just a, an unreal goal. Yeah, and and I, you know, guy, you guys know I'm doing these postcards from him and Michael Bunting. Well, I talked about that goal with him. If you watch the replay of it after he strips the the Italian player, Garland didn't even see what happened to that player, but that player tries to spin, falls on his, you know what. And then Garland just puts a filthy move on the goaltender. Well, one of the most interesting parts of that is he said that ice is just terrible there. So all he was focusing on was just trying to get the puck settled. It didn't look like he had any troubles with that.
2: No. Yeah, and this <laughs> is this, this is exactly what you hope for out of a player at, at a tournament like this. Um, so for Coyotes management and coaching staff and the organization, this is what you want a player to go over and achieve at this tournament. One, you want to play meaningful games this time of year. You'd rather them be in the NHL playoffs, but if they're not there, let's play meaningful games this time of year so you get acclimated to playing longer in a season. That's one. Two, taste some success. I mean, the team's success is much higher than the bar was set for this team coming into this tournament. And then you want some individual success, which Connor Garland is clearly having. He's got eight points um, through the tournament. He's playing exceptional, well, so he's built his confidence now. This is a great thing for Connor Garland. It's been a great tournament. Now, where does this team end? I mean, they've got the easiest path. To get to the finals, um, you know, they've got to beat Slovakia and they got Switzerland, Germany in their pool. By no means does that mean they're in the finals because as you see in this tournament, um, anything can happen because they're not bringing best on best. Conversely, Michael Bunting's experience with Canada, it's a team that always expects to win. They expect to go into this tournament and, and be successful and it isn't happening on the team level. And personally, for Michael Bunting, he's struggling to find his offense. So, you get concerned. Goody's playing, played for his team. You hope he has a little bit of success before he comes back to North America.
0: Yeah, and, and just going back to Garland for a second, too, I mean, the Team USA roster, when you saw it, and Petey talked about this a couple weeks ago, Like, it, especially with this condensed season, but even just after the grind of a long 82-game season, it's not like for the World Championships. This is not the Olympics where you get to go pick your all-star team and they all say yes. But when you looked at the U.S.'s roster and Canada's, too, not as intimidating as you are used to seeing and for Garland to not only get to experience winning so far over there, but to really kind of be the main guy for team USA. That's he just, he is another, I mean, he's, he's pretty much improved every single year. It feels like since he broke into the league, um, back stateside with the coyotes,
1: Brian Decord on his way out, Craig, what can you tell us about this? Well, Brian didn't say much. He said he wanted to focus on his family and his business um, it's kind of what the I, I think location was a problem here the fact that he wasn't stationed locally uh, he's back in Boston his stop at goaltending business is there uh, I'm surprised that it was a, a problem though because they knew that last year when they hired him to you know basically be Bill Armstrong's right hand man um, you know maybe maybe the optics of it just got worse as as time wore on here where they thought oh, you're making a lot of money you're not local so we need to move on from that. But I, I it, again, it's just, it, it's not a great look for the front office. This was Bill Armstrong's first hire, a guy that I know he relied on to identify, you know, new hires. Um, he, he relied on him for, for budgeting advice. There there are a lot of things that Brian Decor did. They have a close relationship. So for Bill Armstrong to lose his right-hand man, man, that's, that's a tough loss for a guy who isn't surrounded by a lot of, hockey minds in the hockey operations department to begin with.
2: Yeah. You you know, and I'm going to tread lightly here. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. I'll preface it by saying that I don't know any of these gentlemen personally. So this is definitely not a personal issue. I get concerned when I, I look at Bill Armstrong as a new GM. He's, you know, he hasn't held that position before. So it's imperative that someone in that position has people around him. One that he trusts, two that he likes their opinion and three that he can bounce ideas off of there's no one filling that void right now uh there is not an assistant general manager in any role at this team there's not an assistant general manager handling tucson that hockey operations department is so thin and you're making incredibly major decisions right now including hiring a new coach and trying to to get through your free agency market over the next few months, there's a concern for coyote fans. Like where is his sounding board? Like I've, I've been around general managers for a long time and they like, no, make no mistake. They're decision-makers. That's what they do, but they like to talk to people. They like to get opinions. They like to you know, bounce ideas and players and scenarios and then and talk and walk through them. And right now, Bill Armstrong is on an island unto himself, and that's a concern. And I don't know if they're looking at other people quickly to fill that void, but it's something that needs to be addressed because the draft is coming, the expansion draft. There's so many decisions to be made. He just can't do all of that by himself.
0: Well, yeah, and the draft lottery is tonight, actually. So by the time people hear this, I guess we will all have seen the Coyotes ping pong ball come up number one and in the league say, oh, but you don't get picked first. <laughs> <laughs> um, along those lines, they, they're still in this coaching search. I mean, is there a timeline? Do you think this affects that timeline at all? Or is this kind of secondary and they just maybe they already have a guy in mind or or what? I just, I,
1: I, I, I'm going to throw out a couple of things here. First of all, I think Lane Lambert is a, a candidate for this job and he's still coaching for the Islanders. So they have to wait to contact him. Uh, last I checked, they hadn't contacted the St. Louis Blues about talking to Mike Van Ryan either. So it feels like this thing is delayed a little bit. Another name that I listed initially on my list of uh, potential hires was Jack Capuano, who is coaching the United States at the World Championship right now. So I wonder if he's another guy that they're waiting to talk to uh, I, I don't know if he's as high up as some of those other guys but you never know as these processes go along so just something else to keep an eye on he's obviously having some success over there
2: Craig one thing if you do me a favor because you're the journalist on the panel and not saying Luke I, I don't mean they're not a journalist but Craig Craig needs I to get this the right you when you said uh, journalist I, yeah is it no i've been <laughs> It, to me, when we talk about this this assistant coach at the New York Islanders, it's Lambert. We've always said Lane Lambert. I've always heard his name internally in the hockey community as Lane Lambert. When I hear people from the outside, they talk about Lane Lambert. Can you get that defined for me? Is it Lambert or Lambert?
1: I will. I will find out. I mean, the, the internally, pronunci- it's Lane Lambert. The French pronunciation is obviously Lambert, but
2: and it's a heck of a lot more fun to say it that way. I get it, but I just honestly, we need it. to know. For the for the integrity of the show, we want to make sure we get that right. Um, the integrity. Coaching decision, I know. How about that, yeah. and, and Craig? I'll have to look that up. Um, so <laughs> when we talk about the coaches here, I, I think Craig hit on something. You got to wait for, a few, but they have permission to talk to Jack Capuano now. The only one they can't talk to is Lane Lambert. Right. Um, but Jack.
1: I mean, Jack's busy. Right. So
2: sure. And and the other point that we've talked about. On the show several times is they are not meaning the Coyotes are not in competition with the coaches that are looking at the Rangers and Seattle jobs. They're they're in a different market. They're, they've said it publicly. We're looking for someone to grow with the team. We're looking for a younger option. And um, So I don't think they're in competition with those teams. Where you're going to see those teams that coaching carousel is gonna it's going to start spinning and stop. I. Honestly, I think pretty soon, once you see one team going, hey, we made an offer to so-and-so, those coaching jobs are going to vaporize quickly. I still think the Coyotes are not in a rush because they don't need to be. I'm not sure who they would be competing those candidates. The candidates I read at the Coyotes job, I'm not seeing in Columbus, Seattle, Buffalo. They're not the same guys. So I, I don't know if the urgency is there. They just want to get it right. And it goes back to being... Bill Armstrong by himself. So maybe they will wait to fill the roles surrounding him before they get into the coaching decision. And I think that's okay.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. He doesn't even have uh, Shane Doan now to lean on because Shane's over at the World Championship as well. I mean, if you call him, but yeah, you're, you're right. There's there's not a lot of help for Bill right now. So it's, it's a tough process for him.
2: And- Craig, when you bring that up, and it's funny because I went to, I looked at a bunch of different teams on their websites and I looked at hockey operations and I looked at staffing and we looked at, I looked at the Coyotes on their website, their hockey operations department. And Shane Dolan's not on that list. He's on the business side. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure how involved he is in hockey decisions. I really don't know. Do I think he should be? Do I think he will be? Do I think that's coming? I do. Do I think that's happening today? Is Bill bouncing hockey ideas off Shane Doan? I don't
1: know. They will tell you that he is, but I'm, I'm not convinced that he has a lot of say right now in, in hockey ops. That may change over time as they, they gain trust, but yeah, I don't think he has enough to be honest. I, I think they need to lean on the guys that they can because there aren't a lot of them. I mean, they, they have some people in other roles, right? Whether you're looking at the cap or you're looking at analytics, but you don't have those you know those sort of advisors that know the know the league no personnel
2: yeah and that's when you look at the these other teams and i I encourage listeners if they want to do that go to these teams and look at their front office and and you're going to see advisors advisor to the gm and you'll see more than one assistant gm and it's it's becoming commonplace around the league so right now for bill to be by himself he does have a cap guy and analytic guy and that those are more administrative roles, though, than they are advisement roles. So I, I I honestly think they'll fill those roles before they fill a coaching role.
0: When you guys look around the league, you feel pretty confident that these are going to be the teams that need coaches. We're not going to add anybody else. Because, I mean, I, I know that there was thought maybe if Winnipeg went out in the first round, maybe they would look at, at something with Paul Maurice. They're obviously still playing. So I, I think at this point he would be safe. I mean, if. If Edmonton was going to freak out over Dave Tippett, which I think would be a mistake, they would have already done it, I would assume. Same with Pittsburgh and Mike Sullivan. I mean, are we pretty confident that that the teams that need coaches right now, that's Arizona, Columbus, Seattle, and the Rangers, there's not going to be a fifth?
2: Buffalo. I throw Buffalo Buffalo in that mix, too. Um,
0: Keep forgetting they're in the league.
2: I think you're right, Luke. And Pittsburgh was one I was eyeing, and I don't think Edmonton's going to make a change. We talked at the beginning of the show at length about Toronto. Honestly, Nothing they do there would surprise me. Um, I, and that doesn't need to happen today or tomorrow. So Toronto might be in that mix. And I don't know. I keep hearing this underground swell in Florida. I, I don't know why that, that Joel Quinville would be a guy leaving Florida, but I've, it's, I don't believe it. And, but until he gets the vote of confidence from GM and ownership, I'm going to put him on the edge of the cliff as a guy that might also move on and I mean, part of that the, the the organization is looking at how much money they owe him over the future and they might be willing to let him join his old friend ron francis in seattle potentially yeah. Makes a lot of sense
1: seattle and joel Quenville becomes available and wants the job i mean it's pretty hard to say no to that when you're right but i mean they they obviously have the whalers connection as well those are those are old buds there but if joel Quenville becomes available you have to take a look at that
0: uh, anything else we want to hit here before questions? We got a decent amount of questions. Oh, it's a picture of Eeyore. All right. Craig, anything else you want to hit here? No, we can go to the uh, questions. All right. Uh, we're going to start with the first one from Eldon. Can Luke, who apparently is Eeyore in this picture, be sequestered anytime the Penguins are discussed on this podcast, how many cups have they won? And it's a picture of Eeyore with a uh, that, chalkboard nailed to his backside that says the Penguins never win anymore. Look. <laughs> Uh, These jokes are funnier when they're not directed at me, i got to say. There's something to that, I will grant you. The Penguins have won two Cups since we started this podcast. But for me, it's the predictability at this point. I like my sports to be unpredictable unless it's the Maple Leafs losing in the first round every year. The fact that I know what Pittsburgh's going to do every year now, that's more of my issue. They weren't a Cup team this year, even if they got past the Islanders.
1: Okay, but they can't be a Cup team every year. No. They can at you- least make the playoffs when they, you know, when when they have an era where they win three cups. They can they continue to make the playoffs at least, which is more yeah. than my team can say. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's well, you it. know, uh, and and also uh, I would point out that your organization does not keep finding new titles for the GM to reward him for not making the playoffs. Wow. You need your bell. We got to get that bell back from that really studio. the studio. I'm not sure how how it would
0: sound on these, though. It might not. You need to get that Liberty Bell you have in your house that when you ring it, like, villagers come running out of their homes. Um, Cheryl, Greg mentioned in his recent Neutral Zone column that Corey Schlob's contract expires at the end of June. Is the expectation he'll be resigned, or is that going to be up to the incoming coach, assuming they are hired by then?
1: Well, it is It is generally up to the incoming coach. Um, what I have been told is the all the assistants are, have been told that they're free to pursue other options. And, and nothing about their future will be determined before this, the Coyotes hire a new coach. So to me, read the writing on the wall, right?
2: Yeah. And yeah. with Corey Schwab specifically, I, I think if Brian DeCord was still here and he has not, Brian DeCord is a goalie guy, a goalie guru, as it were. And Zach Burke has, has left the organization. They're really now with DeCord gone. There really is no foundation for goaltending here with this organization. Yeah. Um, I, I, I won't say it's impossible for Corey Schwab to come back here, especially if they bring in a a young coach from a different, you know, potentially a junior coach that comes in here or even an assistant coach in in the NHL that doesn't necessarily have his guy. The goalies here in Arizona are comfortable with Corey Schwab. They know him. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could come back, but if you get to a guy that has, again, his guy, then Corey Schwab will be moving on. And I think Corey Schwab's been an excellent development goalie coach here for this organization. You look at how the steps of Prosvitov and Hill have had underneath his, you know, mentorship. I, th- I think there's a lot of good things that he's done here. So we'll see what direction that goaltending goes in the upcoming weeks.
0: Uh, Todd asks about the Reeves suspension. We already got into that, but we appreciate the uh, question, Todd. Uh, here's one, uh, Petey, from somebody named Greg Dillard, and he uh, he said, "What are Steve's thoughts on the 22 and 31 Minnesota Twins? Although, to be fair, I I wanted to double check because Minnesota has played since this question. They're actually 22 and 32 now.
2: Yeah, they won one, lost one to the Orioles. See, so, yeah, this this kind of falls into your penguins talk Uh, I, i can't say i have i'm a fan of any nhl team i don't think that's appropriate for me to do i won't ever say that on here i am a fan of the minnesota twins a team that was expected to challenge for the central and they have been red rotten and they are one of the worst teams in baseball and it's frustrating the hell out of me and not only that we talked about playoff futility they are the worst team in professional sports in the playoffs, they've lost 18 straight playoff games, 16 of those to the Yankees. So I, I, I cannot begin to tell you one, how much I dislike the Yankees, but two, how, how angry I am at the start knowing now we're in, I don't even know what month it is, June and it's over. As a baseball fan to be June, what to June 2nd and, and be done and out is just absolutely disheartening.
1: Who is this Greg Dillard fan?
2: I know. I, that's, I'm getting. I'm getting grief from Coyotes PR. That's unbelievable <laughs> to me. And part of it is there's a, a, a Cleveland Indian fan in that circle, um, so that's where I think the, the, the disdain is coming from on the Minnesota Twins.
0: Well, I thought that was a good question, and I encourage Greg to, to tweet in with more questions in the future like that. So Absolutely, that on, on the Twins, as long as they're not directed at Luke.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> exactly.
0: no. Yeah, no. Keep those away from me. Uh, Adam writes in, what is the worst feeling, having championship aspirations and seeing them crushed in spectacular fashion or not having any championship prospects at all?
1: My Leafs friend and I are debating. This is a terrific <laughs> question, actually. I've gone back and forth, and I, I honestly can't decide because to get to the the very edge, which I have been several times as a Chicago sports fan, and then to have it taken away, that's a really painful experience. I think it's a different kind of pain because you, you're so close to – Exhilaration, and then, it, and then it just gets swept out from under you versus this just long, steady depression that you feel when you t- you have a team that never makes it to, to the playoffs, even.
2: Yeah, you're right. And I think when you look back at a team and your team has those playoff aspirations and they're there, it, you can look back on it a little more fondly than your team being mediocre all the time. You know, you, you've had that buildup. You've had that excitement. Even though you didn't win, you've had something. But you're right, Greg, that instant moment when your team that you're the toronto maple leaf fan the next morning i don't know if it gets any worse than that as a sports fan versus a team that's been a last all season it's absolutely miserable to watch for 82 games but at least you don't get those highs and lows you're here you suck you're you're in you know you're in that for the entire the entire season so i think. For for me, I still want to say, hey, I, I had a shot at it. I was there. I, I'll, I'll always take a playoff game. I will always try to g- win the division. I, I just think you have to still aspire to winning. So I'll I'll say I'd much rather be a team that's supposed to win that gets there and loses.
0: I will completely agree with that. With the caveat of if the question is, like, would you rather be a team in a three- or four- or five-year rebuild, but you are actually actively trying to rebuild, as opposed to the Maple Leafs, who, like I said earlier, none of their games mean anything now until their first elimination game next next year's playoffs. Like, they are definitely a playoff team over 82 games, and, and especially the way the regular season's played compared to the playoffs. But none of those games mean anything. Whereas at least if you're a rebuilding team and then you have a prospect kind of pop up and then you can kind of find some signs of hope, whereas Toronto has about 360-ish days before their next meaningful hockey game. And if they lose that one again, it's just more of the same. Um, Caleb writes in does his recent success change the Coyotes' view of Liam Kirk? I feel like
1: Craig gets one Liam Kirk question every week. <sighs> Look, he's had he had a terrific world championship, good for him. And even though it's against lesser competition, fine, uh, you know, he he still had I think he led the the tournament, didn't he, in goals. So that's that's an so. accomplishment, having said that. No. Um this is a different stage and when you when you talk to scouts, when you Talk to people who dissect uh, players games for a living. They will tell you there are a lot of areas of his game that need to change. He's also 22. So he's a lot farther along the progression for a prospect than some of these younger guys. So I, you know, he's got one more year. The Coyotes have his rights for one more year. I don't expect them to sign him to an ELC. I think the prevailing sentiment around the scouting world is that he's not ready. He's not an NHL prospect yet. He's got one more year, I guess, to get there.
0: Uh, this is a good one from Coach East Jack. We're going to play a game with this. He says, is it possible Matthews could muscle his way out of Toronto like Eichel is doing in Buffalo? So, guys, let's play this game. Let's take Matthews, McDavid, and Eichel, and let's say the year is 2025. Which one is
1: most to least likely to still be on their current team? Well, I'd say Eichel's least likely. Yeah, he might be gone by the end of this podcast. Abbott Austin in the middle, and Connor McDavid is going to be an oiler.
0: Okay. So... Huh. Do you say Connor McDavid is going to be an Oiler just within the context of this game, or do you genuinely feel like he's playing his whole career in Edmonton? Well, he, they're not trading him. Okay. They're not going to trade him. How likely do you think it is that Matthews is still with Toronto after this deal is up? Is that, I believe, what does that go through? Hold that up. It goes through years. 24.
1: Yeah, okay. I don't think it's as, as crazy as some people think that he might leave. I, th- I think there's a, a, a pretty fair possibility that he'll leave Toronto after these three years. Listen, a lot can change between now and then. So you have to remember that a lot can alter that. But right now, as we sit, I don't think it's crazy to think about Austin Matthews leaving Toronto after three years.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's, you know, do I, do I, do I, do I put him in coyote brick red right now? What is it? Brick red, Craig? What's the official term? I don't know. Whatever the official red is of the Kyrie's. But but I I, I think that when he gets the opportunity to make his own decisions, he'd love to play in Arizona. Believe me, he loves Arizona. But I've been around professional athletes enough to know that when they say it's not about the money where I go – it's about the money where I go. So unless this team is willing to back up the Brinks truck, he won't play here um, because he's going to make whatever he wants to make on the open market and he will go somewhere else. Not necessarily Toronto, although to Craig's point, if, if next year they win the Stanley Cup with him on the team and they were willing to pay him, he'll be there for a long time. If they lose again and he's frustrated and taking the brunt and the blame from the media and the fan base, he's getting the heck out of Toronto. Absolutely for sure. Um, But he's going to go make his money. Yep.
0: That was my next question. Petey just answered it. Like, over these next three years, is it more or less likely he leaves if Toronto wins a cup or if it just continues to be this this flame out every year? And and maybe not in the first round, but, like, what if the third year that's left in that contract, they're finally winning a couple playoff series and they get to the second or third round? Does that entice him to come back? Or is it like, okay, look, I've given it a try here for at that point, like, the better part of a decade. I want to go somewhere else. But honestly, at the end of the day, money. I mean, For you sure, you make Plus that much money.
2: If you're in Toronto, you're at the center of the hockey universe. Like you, people don't. If they, you know, hockey fans here that have grown up in Arizona like hockey. You go to Toronto, and everybody knows what's going on with Toronto Maple Leafs. It's you know you you can liken it to what's happening right now with the Suns, but even. It's even much, much, much more so Toronto and hockey. So if you have success in Toronto as a member of the Maple Leafs, it is – You're a god. You're a god in that city. You can literally do whatever you want. You're – you like, I, I think if he tastes that kind of success in Toronto, he will have a hard time leaving.
1: I agree with that. If he doesn't,
2: question. he is gone because it's a miserable place to be if you're losing.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. To equate t- Toronto in hockey is like the Yankees in baseball or the Cowboys in football. It's that big there. Yeah. But, yeah, th- a lot of things can happen. If, if If Toronto continues to flame out and the pressure mounts on him, I could definitely see him walking. He loves it here. He genuinely loves it here. In fact, I think if you start searching the streets in Scottsdale in two days, you might spot Austin Matthews because he'll be he'll, he'll be back here pretty quickly. He loves being here. So don't discount that possibility. And when it comes to money, I think he's the one guy that they will back up the Briggs truck for they understand what he could mean to this franchise, not just because he's a great player, but because he's from this area and let's not discount the ethnicity too, as a marketing tool for this franchise.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Right. And I think, you know, people have been dreaming about this moment um, since the ping pong balls came up, you know, the wrong way. Um, it'd be great to see Austin Matthews in a Coyote Jersey. I I wouldn't lie. You know, it's a dream for, for everybody that's been involved with the franchise. Um, We'll wait and see. And as far as Connor McDavid and Edmonton, a lot less pressure there. They could lose the next 10 years, and they'd still love Connor McDavid. He'll still get the questions, and he'll still be have some pressure and some heat, but not the same as Matthews in Toronto. But make no mistake, if they continue to lose, they will try to upgrade. And the only piece they have to move right now, well, I, I guess they have Leon Draisaitl. You could get a heck of a package. if, If at one point in hockey Wayne Gretzky can get traded – Anybody can get traded. And so I, I wouldn't surprise me to see Connor McDavid at some point moving out of Edmonton.
0: Yeah, I just feel like at some point, too, with McDavid, he's going to get so frustrated with this because he is. If he's not the best player in the world on any given night, it's Nathan McKinnon and McDavid's right there. And, and really, McDavid probably is the best player in the world most nights. So I just think at some point he's going to start wanna, wanting to win some games, too. Um, we got a question from Greg about what it would take to get Matthews from Toronto for Arizona. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking that the the best way to approach this is if he's a free agent, that's your chance. You're not, you're not prying him away right now. Right. Uh, let's go with, okay, we got a couple questions about specific players. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this guy's name right, but Bierce, I think his name is Bierce. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Any sense to making a
1: run at Landeskog in free agency? That's an interesting (laughs) question to me. Um, He's going to be a free agent. I think the Coyotes need leadership, that sort of leadership in their dressing room. But I don't know. Is Landeskog really going to leave in the end? I I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Peter? That was an interesting question to me.
2: Yeah. Do I think he's leaving the Colorado Avalanche if they have success this year? I say no. I don't know their cap situation. I know they've had an unbelievable value for him over the last several several years. Um he deserves to get paid and he will get paid. Um right now what's his base salary this year is six and a half and his cap hits just over five and a half, he's gonna get paid. Like I, I, I I do not see him being a guy that leaves Colorado, especially with the success they're having right now. We've talked about cup windows are so short. This may be, you know what? They may win a cup this year. They may be in the finals this year. I don't see them breaking up that big three at this point. They're going to have to pay him. And then you know what? You sign him, and then if the window closes, you trade them. But you, you're, you're going to have to sign him in Colorado.
0: Well, we just got a bunch more questions in as we were doing this. Um, let's see. Okay. <laughs> I Let's I go. Had a 9 a.m. cutoff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's 9 a.m. Uh, Hawaiian time, though, right? For most of our audiences. Not Des Moines? Mitch, no, no. It's uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow in Des Moines. Mitch writes in as a team that is most likely going to be in need of some players with potential offensive skill, do you think a player like Josh Hosang could be a potential target as someone you could probably get for cheap? Because there has not been very much NHL experience.
2: Petey? I. What's your I. I, I I mean, maybe, maybe, again, it's it's going to go back to what direction is this Coyote team going to take? I mean, Hossang fills a role and a need. Is it the role that's going to fit into which direction this team is going? I know if it was a Rick Tockett coach team, he probably doesn't fit in, um, but I don't know what kind of a coaching staff they're going to bring in or what kind of direction they're going. Does he provide some offense and some skill? He does. I don't necessarily think he's a guy that this team will go after.
0: I think the, the spirit of the question, too, if you if you just take any specific player's name out and you just say, you know, a player like that that has some potentially op- offensive upside, do you maybe take a flyer on him? I, I think that that's something that a team looking for skill is certainly looking at. I just don't know about that specific player because, as Petey said, you don't know who the coach is yet.
2: <laughs> and yeah, and point, you're looking think, at a guy that's been out of the league for a little while, and I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we, I, I don't think – the answer is, do I think he will be there? No. Do I think that that's the type of player? Yes. Him specific? No. Joshua saying won't be a Kyrie.
0: Um Ogie Oglethorpe, if you had to guess today, who are the four exposed to Seattle? For me, it's Lubushkin, Pitlick, Fisher, and Aiden Hill. That's for Ogie. That's not for me. I haven't looked at this yet.
1: Uh, that, I mean, that's a fair list. I, I, I still haven't done this because I want – I'm resisting the urge to do the – protected list until I know what's happening with this team. So yeah.
2: Yeah. in the issues we talked about before, because we've talked about the protected list a lot. It's really, do do you put more value in a, you know, putting people on this list that you don't think will get claimed, i.e. Clayton Keller, whose, whose salary is so large that he might um, probably would not get selected because you're not going to take Clayton Keller's numbers at, at what he's making. Or do you put a Christian Fisher on and have the potential of him being taken, or or Lawson Kraus, um, or Michael Bunting for that matter? Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be a really tough philosophy, and, and it goes same thing with the goaltending: Aiden Hill and, and Kemper. Hill played like he is the future here. He, maybe not twenty one, twenty two, but you know twenty three, twenty four. Aiden Hill is probably going to be your guy. So do you protect him now and, and have the opportunity of Kemper being gone? These are really, really hard philosophical questions for the organization on what direction they're going. Um, if it's all about next year, you keep Darcy Kemper. But if you're talking about the, the length of the, the, you know, when the window will open, we always talk about the window. It's not next year. So you open it for Hill and you protect Hill. A uh, tough, Tough choices coming up for this management. And again, it's a one man management team. I don't know how they're going to make all these decisions.
0: I think you just you go out and you trade for Timo Polkinen, right? So you can re expose <laughs> yeah. him
2: and have, have Sam. How life. the hell you know, did he? You? How was he the guy that got picked? Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked for the team and I didn't know who he was. And he was, was the guy totally that got picked.
1: That right before the expansion draft, I'm going to look at every team and, and, and sort of assign a grade of blame for them for making Vegas into an instant competitor. I think the Coyotes may get the least amount
2: of blame. blast last. And I'm not <laughs> kidding. We didn't know who he was. Like he, he was there so short and he had such a little impact on our franchise. Again, nice person, but a, as a hockey player, he had little impact. He was like, that's who we lost in the expansion draft. You're uh, utter surprise. So you don't know what Seattle's thinking. They may be looking at a piece for their minor league team, honestly, because they've got so many picks or they may be, be picking a guy here that somebody else wants so they can make a trade. Team. There are so many moving parts when it gets to the expansion draft and just because you expose somebody clearly doesn't mean they're going to get taken. The defenseman we've all talked about Le Bushkins probably going to be the guy that's going to be exposed on the back end. Does that mean Seattle's going to take him? I, I again, I would think it's unlikely. Um and I don't think Christian Fisher is going to get taken by by this Seattle crack and I don't think he's a guy that they're going to look at as as fitting into what they want to do out of the gate. I you know, Could be Aiden Hill. Yeah, I I think if he's exposed, I could see Seattle making a run at Aiden Hill.
0: Uh, Let's do three more because otherwise we're going to be here all day. And I'll start – this is another question you always get, Craig, but this is a Coyotes fan in Germany, so I'm going to ask the question. Uh, Any specific reasons, like skating or
1: defensive behavior, known why uh, Westerlin did not get an ELC? I don't think it was skating. Uh, defensive behavior probably played into it. I just don't think they, they thought he was enough of an impact player uh, at the NHL level when they projected. So, um, And then from Tim,
0: he asked a few questions, and, and we've answered some of them throughout the show. But he says, follow up on the sports book question Craig was looking into, which I don't even think I know what that question is. I'm still
1: looking into it, so I can't answer that one.
0: That sounds like that would have been my guess if Craig wasn't here. I would have said, Craig's just going to tell you he's still looking into it. That would have been my answer. Uh, no, but the second one is, is there a trade market for Kemper? And then he suggests Philadelphia or Toronto.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I wonder how much Darcy's hurt his trade value, not only with, with the way he came back. And uh, he said he wasn't fully healthy, so that, that impacts it. But he hasn't played well at the World Championship either, so... I don't know. I I do wonder what that trade market looks like. If they'll look at this, you know, this sort of half season and say his game's fallen off, or if they'll look at the, the last several years and say he's still an elite NHL goaltender. You
2: know, in January, you would have said, absolutely, he is the MVP of this team before they dropped the puck on game one. He's the guy. You could trade him. I'm not sure now, but there are teams that have looked at goalies and go, okay, He's done it before. We can turn him back to that again. You've seen it when the Coyotes picked up Devin Dubnik was a guy that was in the minors and you've turned him back into a player for a short period of time for Minnesota. So there will be teams interested. Unfortunately for the Coyotes and Coyote fans, he's not going to demand the return that he would have demanded back in January or prior to the season starting. And at that point they didn't trade him because they didn't get the value they wanted. So they sure as heck aren't going to get the value they want for him now. Um, I, you're not getting a first round pick for Darcy Kemper. It's just not going to happen. Um, and, and to Craig's point, he goes over to the world championship. Maybe if he's lights out there and carries Canada to a gold medal on his back, he can get a little bit more of his swagger back. And again, Rise in the trade value. It's not going to happen. Okay. This team needs high draft picks or prospects that are ready to play now. And Darcy Kemper is not going to demand that right now.
0: Uh, Seth writes in asking if there's a way to get Seth Jones from Columbus. Uh, we all wish, but that's not. To, no, that's not. Not not for the Coyotes. Um, non-linear donut ball delivery has pretty extensive questions about the expansion draft. We'll get more into the expansion draft when the uh, when we get through these playoffs. We'll do like an expansion draft show. So let's close on Los Coyote Steve. Last month, Elliot Friedman suggested on 31 Thoughts that Arizona was considering a possible buyout of Schmaltz. I actually liked parts of the season last year, and while I do believe we have too many similar smaller players, I still think Schmaltz
1: has value. Thoughts? Okay, so I want to correct Los Coyote Steve. Uh, Elliot Friedman did not suggest that they were buying out Nick Schmaltz. What he said is he heard this crazy rumor, and it's not going to happen. They're Mm -hmm. not buying out Nick Schmaltz. That's not being considered good because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense (laughs) given given the situation everybody's in
2: So i I had a question and it goes back to the question that didn't get answered by non-linear we talked about what are the rules for the expansion draft and what i don't know the rules for buying out or the expansion draft i'll know them by the time i need to but are we supposed to know everything about everything craig is that part of the deal of this podcast like are we supposed to be that learned that we know all of this stuff oh no you just need to 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 sound like you know yeah. Okay, exactly. good grief, because the non-linear, I, I read the question from and non-linear, and I go, oh my gosh, i, I, I better learn the CBA, because I clearly don't know it, but I should probably CBA learn these brutal. rules.
1: Like, in those instances, I, I read up on that stuff right before it's relevant. Okay. Well, so much information, like, you take it in initially, but you don't remember it because you're not... Because the buyout rules
2: have changed, right? Like, buying out players, the rules yeah. to that have changed yep. in, the, in the most recent CBA, so I, I don't know what the rules would be to even buy out schmaltz, but... No, the answer is, uh, I absolutely know. And and do they hope he becomes what they they p- are paying him for? Absolutely, they do. And and again, the entirety of his time here in Arizona, he is a guy that shows you glimpses of greatness. And when I say glimpses, I mean you're like shake your head, wow, great with speed and skill and getting to the net and shot. It is unfortunately few and far between those moments for nick schmaltz right now either it's between injuries or he doesn't play to that that level uh, consistently Um, that will be his issue if he could ever find it or he could play that way consistently he's going to be a very very good hockey player for this team if he can't find it you're going to look at a guy that that's just okay because when he's good he's really good and when he's not he's not
0: that toe-drag shot he pulled off. I don't remember who it was against towards the end of the season. He could just do that like every three games. So I think he'd be just fine in this league. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to uh, to Steve Peters. Thanks to Craig Morgan. You can blame Craig Morgan for all the Coyotes news that breaks in the next week or so. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Trick Podcast.